Welcome to the Practical Church Revitalization Podcast. We look at revitalization in real time, examining the ups and downs of revitalizing and replanting historical and legacy churches throughout New England and the U.S. And now here's your hosts, Eric Malloy and Don McKinney. Welcome back to the Practical Church Revitalization Podcast, and I am Don McKinnon. I'm not used to Sam not being here. Um, <laughs> I am Don McKinnon of Legacy Church in Sutton, Massachusetts, and with me, as always, well, not is, always. Uh, well, not always. Most of the time is uh, Eric Malloy from First Church in Charlestown, Charlestown, Massachusetts, which is in Boston. So I guess we gotta we gotta do some housekeeping here to, to kind of yeah. Talk. Um, so we haven't been on we haven't been on together in a couple in a couple episodes. We haven't had Sam in a while. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, so for those of you who are listening, you might notice one thing: we're we're might be sounding a little bit different, and uh, that is because we are using the same plug and play. USB microphones, and we are we have switched it up. I am no longer using a uh, studio recording. It's it's temporarily um, retired, or or actually just out of commission for now. It'll probably be used for different events, but uh, for now, uh, we are plug and played in to uh, Google Hangouts and trying something new. Thanks to our brothers at not another baptist podcast for the suggestion um yeah, thanks guys i actually had a good chance i actually got to got to hang out with those guys back at the uh at the lab um both of them so i hung out with matt more but uh i actually had to hang out with both of those guys it was a good time yeah. so I'm, I'm i'm i wish i was there but now yeah. And that's the other thing we've been we've been both you know the last two episodes have been road shows really um, you doing the lab and me at the small town summit for uh, the gospel coalition so right. it's it's been good it's been a good good couple of weeks uh, learning yeah. yesterday yesterday kind of was a washout because uh, we were both supposed to attend a uh, local one and um, that. Uh, our, our host got sick, but then I, I actually took up the offer to go meet with Johnny Hunt. And uh, I really wish I had been able to pull him aside. Uh, really good guy, uh, former president of the SBC. And he, he actually uh, sat down at lunch and uh, was talking to me for a little bit. And uh, really good stuff. Going I worked on. from home and watched uh, opening day baseball. Yeah. Which was depressing because the Sox played horrible and the Yankees won so not a good day but you know what it's a long season so I'm not gonna do that typical Boston sports fan thing and freak out over one loss so 162 games there's 161 left I'm not freaking out and uh if our if uh some of our friends from um the replant are listening we beat the Astros in the playoffs last year we are still the reigning world champs. Remember that. Yeah, and we still we still get the ring ceremony in a couple of uh, couple of days. Yeah, eleven game eleven game road trip to start all out west. I hate when they play out west because I feel obligated to stay up till one in the morning watching the games because I haven't had baseball in so long. So, see that, stinks. That's a good thing. I I don't have cable, so I I don't have the ability to watch 
on Nesson, but you know, I'm I'm like I, I I will find a way. I mean, I can find a way. Let's uh, let's jump into this. Um, so we're just gonna really quick just tell you that yeah, we're we're recording differently. We're planning on trying to go weekly shortly, and uh, you'll probably hear uh, us together, us with Sam us separately, um, just different things that are going to be happening. And a lot of this has got us excited. So with that, we're, we're jumping into this one. And this is actually uh, me playing the role of Jonathan. No, um, me playing the role of Sam. And Eric is uh, going to be the interviewer or viewee. Yeah. Viewee. Yeah. <laughs> interviewee. Um, so Eric, you have uh, you've decided what your PhD is gonna be. Whoa, whoa! Let's not commit me to that publicly yet. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm well, leaning towards if I follow along to a PhD, I'm interested in leadership. That is that is correct. Yeah, but I mean, well, and I've, I've we've already had this this talk, uh, me and him, that uh, much like a college freshman, most. Um, People going for their doctorate switch uh, once or twice too. So, but uh, you you have really been on a leadership binge. I have. I really have. So, it's, uh, you know, God's really given us a team to work with, and um, I really feel like it is um, important for me to teach and train our people, um, and to teach our the people who we see as being leaders. Um, to uh to lead and to learn how to lead um and so it's um it's been important for me to be able to uh to teach those people and to show them what it means to lead uh, it's it's my job i mean i'm i'm the i'm the leader of the leaders so it's important for me to show and to model and to teach and train leaders so what do you, so, okay. So let's just jump in uh, a little bit. Give, give, give us like a one or two minute thing. What are you, what have, what has you been listening to reading for leadership stuff right now that might be of interest for the people? Well, I have a whole shelf committed to leadership um, uh, on my, in my bookshelf. And if you've been in my office, it's, my shelf is extensive. So we, we had a built it. We I had a friend do me a favor and do a built in for me. Um, the conviction to lead by Al Mohler has been really big. Uh, and on top of that, I've been listening to the Jocko Willink podcast podcast, as well as his book, extreme ownership. So between those two, it's really kind of been a big, a big paradigm shift, so to speak. All right. And you just you just wrote um, in your blog this week a uh, article called Lessons Learned, a blog which uh, was really good. I mean, in fact, you did you did touch uh, extreme ownership in that. Um, and I know you, you got me turned on to the Jocko podcast. <laughs> so he's great. He is. He is. Of course, he's, he's great. not, he's he's not, not for everybody, you. but no. And he's, I mean, he's not a pastor, I, you know, it's funny. It doesn't cite anything. I mean, there's nothing, he doesn't claim Christianity or anything. So, um, you know, that's important to say, but my thought on that is all truth is God's truth. So if you share th something that's true, it, you know, the truth comes from God ultimately. So that's kind of my, my philosophy on learning from people who are outside of our tribe, so to speak. 
All right. And so this one was uh, basically, in short, lessons you learned from your life in the Navy. And yes. So what was so so let's go. Um, you put the best. I guess I guess if we were going to say uh, a categor categorical title for each of these three points, it was the best leaders blank. Right. So what would you say was the first point in this? Well, I always thought that the best leaders took care of their people. It was important to them. Uh, the first chief, um, and so those of you guys who don't know, E7 is chief, or a chief petty officer. We're pretty much chiefs in the Navy. That's a, that's the big stepping stone for enlisted. Um, as you become a supervisory element, they change uniforms, all that kind of stuff, which means probably nothing to anybody. But uh, my first supervisor like that, um, as he's not, actually, I didn't write about him, but that guy really, I feel like sometimes he really looked forward to when people didn't take people did 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 us dirty because then he would throw his rank and his authority around to take care of us and he thought that was a lot of fun uh, and so it was something cool to see and experiences that he really used his authority to help us out and to take care of us um, the story i talked about was when i made e6 um, we added a third chevron a third stripe for you non-military types and my supervisor at the time pointed up my sleeve and he said, those first two were for you. That third one's for your guys. And I knew what he meant. It meant that now that I had a little bit more clout and a little bit more authority and a little bit more stature, that it was my job to leverage that to take care of the guys who worked for me and not to just look out for myself. And that was that was something that's always kind of really stuck with me. Now, how, how have you taken that role and um how have you transformed that into your life as a lead pastor right now so we understand is that a lot of i mean we're small churches you and i both and so we're not i'm not bringing people on staff or pe people in leadership who are seminary educated uh who have a ton of church and pastoral experience so it's really up to me to teach them what it means to be ministers, to be pastors, to be ministry leaders. And so I have to take care of them in, in a sense that try to help provide resources for them, provide contacts for them that help them with what they're doing. I can teach our worship leader what it means for worship and the theological side of it. But when it comes to actually leading worship and I can't, I don't know how to do that stuff. So I, I have to connect him with other people, do my best to just uh, care for um, and to think about that. I, I think about the Bible compares the church to a family and all of the things they say for a pastor to be are all characteristics of a good father. And so I believe part of, my job in leading our staff is to think of, uh, to take on that role of almost a, a parent. Uh, and, and if you've been around our church, you know, most of our leaders are not much older than my kids. So that kind of makes it a little bit easier, but almost to take on that kind of parental um, care for love while still holding our people accountable. All right. So, um, now, the next point that you had, uh, the best leaders are, well, it, this is something I, I know and I can totally agree with. Um, if you don't mind, I'll just say it. It was yeah. uh, lead from the front. 
And it's basically something you and I have talked about ourselves recently. Um, both is just being willing to get down and dirty. Oh yeah, exactly. The guy I talked about, he was my LPO right before I left the boat, my leading petty officer, my, my direct supervisor. He was one rank ahead of me. I've been friends with him for several years before I came to the boat. And he was a rock star. I mean, he was the number one guy of our work center types in our, in our squadron. He was one of the top guys in the Pacific fleet because I was stationed out West. He was, he was, a, he was, he was incredible. And the thing that got me, so one of the things that was specifically the jobs that we talk about was there was a mistake that was made at I'll go to details because it's not going to make sense to anybody who wasn't, who didn't do what we did. But there was a mistake that happened above us that affected us and that we had to redo some work that we had done because the instructions had changed. And because of it, we were supposed to go to see the next morning. And if we didn't fix our jobs we weren't going to be able to go to sea and then our job would be limiting. And, 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 and for those of you guys who don't know, when you're an operational unit in the military, if you're two days late, it just, it has, it compounds and affects not just you, but other people beyond you. It messes the whole schedule up. So me and him, because uh, we were the two senior guys stayed up all night and got the job done and finished it up about 30 minutes before we were scheduled to pull away from the pier. And to me, it was just a lesson in leadership is that, you know, you're the guy and I wrote it in the blog and you know, he, he said the same thing. We make the most money. We make more money than everybody else. We have a higher rank than everybody else. So if somebody should get the bad deal, it should be us because that's our job as opposed to bad leaders and poor leaders I've seen who make their junior guys get the bad deal before they would give themselves the bad deal. So I just, to me, that was something I always learned that was important. Okay. And so how would you, how would you point that out for those of us in ministry or those of our listeners who don't have a military background that is trying to well, understand that? So I'm, I'm the, I'm the only full-time staff member at our church. We have a couple part-time. I'm the only full-time staff member. So a couple of weeks ago, here's a great example is that um, we had a missions team that was coming to stay in our church and Sam um, was going to meet them. Well, their schedule was kind of flexible and they weren't sure what time they were going to come or any of that kind of stuff. And so he said he was willing to do it. I was like, dude, I'll just do it because if their schedule is unpredictable, I mean, you have to go to work on Monday. I can work my schedule around that. Um, and so it's just harder uh, for, for you to have to do that than it is uh, for me. So I, I'll take one for the team and I'll stick around all day on Saturday and I'll be flexible uh, to, to be able to do that. And then it's little stuff. You see trash on the ground, you pick it up. The church needs cleaned. Well, if nobody else is around, then you're the one who's got to do it. Whether, you know, and, and it's just, I think it's about being, never being above doing a job. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's important. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. I know um, where I came from at uh, Meeting House, uh, that was the one thing James Thomason used to say to us all the time was, you know, if you're walking, if you're walking by there, 
you know, always put yourself in the position of a, of a visitor, put yourself in the position of someone who comes to the church. If you see something, you know, on the ground, you pick it up, throw it away, different things that, uh, you know, most people wouldn't think that a pastor does. And, you know, and I, I think about that, that meme that goes around Facebook every now and then where it shows, uh, you know, what, what, uh, my parents think I do, what my friends think I do, what you know, and it's like all these different scenarios. Like people think you're golfing, pe people think you're collecting money, you know, your, your mother thinks you're, you're the Pope or something. And right. Shows like the last one is what I really do. And it's like a really frustrated looking guy cleaning the toilet. Yeah. That's the thing is you, you can't be above doing something. If something I, I tell our staff all the time, you, know, you have two jobs. Number one, you have your job. So if you're the worship leader, it's to lead worship. If you're the children's director, it's to lead children's ministry. If you're the pastor, it's to preach and lead the church. And then your second job is to make sure the job gets done, mm. which just means you just make sure the job gets done. Exactly. Period. So if that means you got to pick up some trash, pick up some trash. If it means you got to clean the toilet, clean the toilet. But nobody's above doing anything. And I tell our people all the time, if you're above manual labor, then then leadership is is not something that you're that you're qualified for. Yeah, that's 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 definitely true. I mean, I know I know is as frustrated as I got at times at meeting house. Uh, it was all good lessons learned because now here I am at my own church and like, you know, I don't even have staff people and uh, I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, doing what I can the best I can. And, you know, half, half the people sit there and they're like, well, why didn't you go to a, a place that, um, you know, could pay you or, or something, you know, the, you know how it is. Yeah, and, and you're just sitting there like at at the top. I love leading by example, and right. that's that's the biggest thing. I I think I think we have to lead by example, and that's that's what I got out of that second point when I read. Well, not it. only that, but how dare I ask someone to do something that I'm not willing to do myself? True, true. How dare I? I mean, like, what is that? I mean, of course, I'm going to ask Mike, our worship leader, to lead worship because I can't do that. But um, <laughs> that's not what I mean. What I mean is how in the world do I ask you to go paint or to pick up something or to carry something around the church if I'm not willing to do it myself? I mean, I, I don't think I have that. I don't I know I don't have that right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, if, if we're not willing to do it and I think I think the greatest thing is looking at Jesus, looking at, at his example. You know, that's the thing. Jesus Jesus did not act the way that they thought a Messiah should act. And, you know, that's well, Matthew, Matthew 20, 28. I, I quoted it was um, that Jesus said he came not to not to be served, but to serve. Mm -hmm. And then it goes on to say, but give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, so I think that just that just makes it easy for us to understand that it's it's our job to, to serve. And if that means I have to serve, I mean, if I have to serve by, you know, picking up trash or if I have to serve by sweeping the floor, or if I have to serve by, I mean, whatever, that's, um, that's just how I serve. And it's, you know, we're, we're blessed and we're, we're allowed to do that at our church plant in Washington with a lot of single moms and Sarah ran a, my wife, Sarah ran a ladies community group, uh, one night a week. And some of the ladies didn't have childcare. So me and the associate pastor ran what we called daddy daycare. And we watched everybody's little kids, fed them dinner, changed mm -hmm. diapers. 
And I mean, that's just not to be like, Hey, look how great I am. But I mean, that's what you should do. Yep. If you're the pastor. That's your job. You know, it's, I mean, is that what I want to spend my Thursday night doing surrounded by a bunch of little kids and aren't mine? No, of course not. I mean, that's, that's not, but I'm, I'm thankful to be able to have the privilege to do that, that these ladies can get together and study the Bible. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right. So now the, um, the final <laughs> point that you wrote, <laughs> and uh, this kind of, we, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but, um, you know, this one is one, I think, um, th this one's definitely a Jocko thing. You know, this is the gut uh, punch. Yeah, this is this is this is one thing about Jocko. Um, for our reader, you know, for our readers, for our listeners out there, uh, he talks uh, in extreme ownership that the the Navy SEALs own their mistakes. Right. Um, and this this year, your your point number three was really good. The best leader is what they take the blame and they give away the credit. Having worked outside of the military, um, as opposed to just being in ministry, I've had supervisors who have no idea how to how to deal with this. You screw up, and you're like, "Yeah, I you I, yeah, you're right. I screwed up. I'm really sorry. This is how. This is what I did wrong, and this is why. How and why I won't do it again. And this is my plan to not do it again. So, if there's you know anything that needs to be said. I understand and I'm, I'm willing to hear your part, but I just want you to understand this is, this is where I screwed up and this is my plan to not, to not screw up like that again. And people don't know how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. It's so foreign. It's also, I think it goes, it's counterintuitive to us as people is that we always want to make an excuse and we want to take a blame. That's something Jocko talks about is uh, the, the issue is that we make excuses and, and true leaders. And he says that the best leaders he followed, Never make excuses. There's no excuses for anything. That's what I what I shared with our team. I wrote up on the board excuses, and then I put a big red circle and line through it. Mm -hmm. I said, "There's no such thing excuses anymore." I mean, we live in Boston. Our traffic's terrible here, and so that was my best example. You, you don't ever get to say, "Well, I'm late because traffic was bad." Yeah, that's, that's a viable. That's a viable excuse. I mean, you never know. There's times it's taking me almost two hours to get to work in the morning because something goes wrong. Somebody who takes ownership would say, well, I was late because I didn't plan for traffic and yeah. I should have left earlier knowing that there's a possibility that I'd get stuck in traffic. And so I just think that's important to do. And, and I think about um, I, the example I used, I didn't have a real life one in the Navy. I, the example I used was Bill Belichick yeah. anytime, you know, on the rare Patriots loss. Yeah. <laughs> for those of you outside of New England, I know that you just... Uh, might have turned us off at that. Yeah, point. I was going to say half our half our we just lost <laughs> half our listeners. But he never blames the players. He never is like J Brady did this, Gronk did that. No, I mean to the microphone publicly, he says, "Could have coached better football. Got to play better. Got to coach better. Players win games. Coaches lose games." And I think that's um, I think that's huge to understand. Is that he says, "Listen, I it's my job to set my players up to succeed." And I think as leaders, it's important for us to set our people up to succeed. Um, to put them in a place that they're going to be able to be used by God and used at the to the best of their ability. Uh, and I think the Patriots are sometimes the best people to do that. Even if you hate New England, um, we had a, a receiver last year, Cordero Patterson. Dude can't run a route. Dude can't catch the ball while running a route. But once he gets the ball in his hands, he's incredible. So all the Patriots did was find ways to get the ball in his hands and turn him loose, mm -hmm. which nobody had ever done before. Even his old coach was like, I 
I can't believe how well they're using him. We, we never used him like that. And maybe we should have. And I, I think that's something that we have to understand as leaders is that we have to ask people to be who God created them to be and not who we expect them to be and, and kind of understand that is the case. Like we have two worship leaders. We have Mike and Isabella, and I can't expect Isabella to be, to be Mike. I have to expect her to be her. And I have to expect Mike to be Mike mm-hmm. and, and, and use what God's given them and how he's created them uniquely and ask them to do what, what exactly ask them to excel in what exactly it is that God's made them to be. And then to do their best um, in other places. But if something goes down, the first person I have to look at is myself. Well, what did I do? What, what, what did I do wrong? And how did I set this person up for a failure? And how do I prevent that from happening again? But that doesn't let them off the hook. There still needs to be some accountability. Hey, you know, this is, this is the mistake you made. This is where you could have done wrong. But at the same time, this is where I dropped the ball. So, you know, Mike and I actually, we were laughing about this. We had a perfect example about that. As you guys don't know, Mike's our worship leader. He's been with us for almost four years now. And we have, we have a great working relationship. Our, um, our CCLI license expired and he emailed me and was like, Hey dude, my CCLI license, our CCLI needs to be updated. And I said, well, did, didn't I, uh, didn't I tell you about that a couple of weeks ago? He said, yeah, you did. And I dropped the ball. And I said, well, you know what? Honestly, I didn't follow up with you when I said something a couple of weeks ago. So that's on me. And I, and I should have followed up with you to make sure, make sure it was taken care of. Um, and so that's, I mean, that's, what we, and then he laughed. He's like, dude, extreme ownership in practice. And we just kind of laughed about that. And we were like, I mean, that that's true. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really set him up for success. Yeah. I said, Hey, you know, talk to me about this, but at some, at no point did I require him to follow up or did I follow up with him? And so the, the I have to take that responsibility for that part while he takes the responsibility for his part. And the cool part is when you do that, it, it's less, it's less confrontational um, and it's less, this is on you. This is on you. Why, why are, why are you so screwed up? And it's really like, we're a team. Why are we so screwed up? And let's fix that in the future. And so I think it's important to always publicly take the blame and to always, um, give the credit. Now, of course, you know, I'm not talking about moral failures, but even with a moral failure, you have to think what, what could we have done policy wise? What could we have done church wise to prevent that from being, from being a possibility to happen again. So, I mean, I, I think there's always room for us to, to look as leaders um, at what we can do better and how we can help our people succeed and not make mistakes. Yeah. While holding them accountable for their mistakes. Yeah. I mean, there are times where I think, we sit there and, and this is something that I've I've actually had mentors tell me and um, basically like yesterday, Johnny Hunt was saying, uh, you know, make sure you have that mentor who's like a general because they've gone they've gone through the battle and they can help you walk through the battle to win the war. But basically, um I've had mentors who have said to me, one of my chief things is, I think that I've communicated it well, but because of the way I'm wired, that isn't necessarily the thing. So I've got a, a, like, like right now I'm, I'm technically the only staff I'm not paid, but I am technically full-time while I'm looking for 
my bivocational job. And Natalie and I, we sit there because she's the only other real person on staff. And we, it, it sounds weird because it's your spouse, but we make a meeting. We have a meeting once a week. We go to the coffee shop and we sit down, break out the laptops, and we sit there, go one-on-one -on -one and make sure things are going to work out. And we have files that we share that we can look over because we want to make sure that we're on the same page and that that looks good to our people as our people are starting to get ready to jump into um, leadership roles. Right. We So we, one of the things that we've done is that we do a weekly check-in that all of our staff has to do. It's on a Google sheet. Uh, Google form, sorry, they just type a couple things in and, you know, people were, were, were bad about turning them in late. And um, one of the things Jocko says that I took on board was people don't do what you preach. People do what you allow. And I was allowing people to turn it in late. And so we, we actually moved the date. It was due Sunday nights. Now it's due Saturday nights. And that's a, uh, a uh, it has to get done before they leave. If it's not done on Saturday night, it has to get done before they leave church on Sunday. And that's just an agreement we've all come to because it's like, hey, if it is if it isn't done Saturday, then you got to sit down and take care of it before you leave on Sunday. Yep. So and of course, you know, you have to understand personality types and all that. And, you know, yeah, man, maybe you're listening. And you're like, dude, Eric's tough on these guys. Like, what is the case? But I mean, we, we know, we set high expectations because we believe what we're doing is is just that important. And And obviously, if you know, I mean, not to be that, but I mean, if this, this is who we are and you know, that's, that, that would be something we'd have to explain. And anybody who comes on board or comes on staff has to understand that's, we have high expectations because we, we believe what we do is important that mm -hmm. we should have, um, we should be the best, the very best that, that we can be. Um, and that's really what, what, what glorifies God is when we, when we, work hard to do the be very best we can and to be the very best we can. And so, yes, we, we have a high expectation and we have a high, um, high, uh, what, what we want from everybody. And, um, and we don't, we don't allow less than, than what the expectations are for anybody, myself included. So that's, that's just kind of how we are and that's how we're wired. And, um, I think it makes it, makes it important and reflects to people that we, we're about what we say we're about. So with that, um, just some last minute uh, stuff as we end. So like we said, we are, we are beginning a new format. Um, we're going to try to keep these down to a half hour, uh, 20, 20, 20 to 30 minutes. And uh, actually we're, we're going to, we're going to, the next one, I think uh, we, we need to, we need to, record together because uh we we need to have the uh ceremony here yeah we need uh, cake we need cake <laughs> awesome all right eric so all right is, man i gotta go finish sermon prepping so i'm uh, sure all you guys listen probably have some stuff to do on that too so yeah this is we're, we're recording late and uh actually as eric was talking i'm i'm editing some of my uh powerpoints but <laughs> Uh, <laughs> anyway, the things you you don't need to know that go beyond this behind the scenes. But anyway, guys, we love you all, and uh, know that you guys are all in our prayers. Uh, we have we have been blessed over uh, the last year to meet a lot of you, and uh, 
I, I think I, I speak for both Eric and me and Sam on this one that we are extremely blown away by how God has been using this little podcast. And um, we we're really we're looking forward to, to the changes as they happen and uh, making this better for you. And please, if you're listening, like us on on uh, iTunes and, and give us a review wherever you listen. Give us a review. Uh, know that we we're not getting paid for any kind of sponsorship. And um, we're doing this just out of the love that we have as revitalizers for churches that don't need to die. They, 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 you know, God to be, God be the glory uh, on this, that you guys, we're with you. We're grunts. We're, we're uh, squids. We're jarheads. We're, we're in the trenches with you and we're praying with you as you guys are praying for us. And we'll talk to you next week. God bless. Have a, have a good one guys.